0: What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG and MHS Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Um, this is going to be a slightly controversial episode. Um, I th- some people are not going to want to hear this. Some people are going to reject this outright. Um, but honestly, this is something I, I genuinely believe. And after um, 13, no, excuse me, 12 years, nearly 12 years, Um, It is time for us to forgive and forget. And by that, I mean we need to forgive Carmelo Anthony and forget what happened. Um, I think Nuggets fans have um, rightfully been upset about certain things that transpired during that time. Uh, These issues have been well-worn, and you don't need me to go through them uh, again on this podcast. Uh, things that I have gone over many, many times and I've gone over how Mello has never really done his part to heal what happened in Denver. Um, and that still remains true. Um, but once again, then this is, this remains true in in any situation, you can only control yourself. Um, and I'm going to kind of draw a correlation between the way Dikembe Mutombo left, and how long it took Nuggets fans to, to forgive Dikembe. Um, Dikembe left in the summer of 1996, and we didn't know at that time how mismanaged and how badly um, Bernie Bickerstaff and uh, the people over at Ascent um, had bungled. Uh, the the contract negotiations for um, Dikembe and Niko- matumbo. In fact, what was underlying the entire issue with Dikembe was basically his relationship with Bernie Bickerstaff, who he didn't get along with. Um, and that culminated in Bernie benching uh, Matumbo And I think two or three times down the stretch in 1996, um, the year the Nuggets had one of their most talented teams ever and only won 37 games. And it really culminated that offseason where obviously there was the distraction and real, a pressing issue of what was going on with uh, Mahmoud Abirouf when he was... Uh, not standing for the National Anthem, and all that stuff swirling around the team. There was a lot of stuff going on, and it really obviously affected the team, but the relationship between between Matumbo and Bernie Bickerstaff really began deteriorating that season. We need to remember something. Um, It was early in the, well, probably about midway through the uh, 1994-95 season that Dan Issel suddenly resigned. Um, for a myriad of reasons, primarily there was a power struggle going on between himself and Bernie and, uh, and, uh, was starting to take it out on the players. And, uh, he really, really, and I've talked to Dan about this many times, he really enjoyed that team and he didn't like the way he was treating them because of his issues with Bernie and he quit. And then Gene Littles took over. Gene Littles didn't do well. And then Bernie Bickerstaff came down from the front office, kind of stabilized things a bit. The Nuggets made the playoffs remarkably that year. Um uh, and then played the San Antonio Spurs and they were swept out of the first round 3-0. So the next offseason is where they get Antonio McDice, um, and they begin to assemble this team that they're, you know, they're supposed to be getting uh Lafonso Ellis back Lafonso had trouble coming back from his uh injury um that he uh, suffered in uh, against Bryant Stith in the off season of 1994 and uh he was in and out of the lineup in 1995 96 and uh there was a lot of different factors but the primary sources of angst were Mahmoud for obviously you know, there's a there's a documentary coming out on showtime about mock so i i highly suggest everyone checks check that out um i may link to it uh on when i post this on twitter um but there is also the matumbo angle which matumbo was feeling basically disrespected and he had every right to be primarily by bernie and this is the problem when you have a coach slash gm is that bernie um through some of the things that he was doing that season, um, basically began Matumbo began to feel extremely disrespected, specifically by Bernie. Bernie had a lot of power. He was the GM, uh, and he had a lot of control about the way things were. He had a lot of control about who was on the team. And uh, it really was it ended poorly that end, the end of that season. And, you know, even after Matumbo left, Bernie only lasted until February of the next year's before he stepped down and then uh, quit to become a GM at, I think the Washington wizards or something, I think, is that where he went? Um, and that is, that is the story of Bernie Bickerstaff, but Matumbo ends up getting extremely disrespected uh the nuggets make a token offer wasn't nearly what he got in uh uh atlanta when he signed as a free agent which i think it was like 4 years 50 million dollars something like that right which was a lot of money at in 1996 um and we didn't we were peripherally as fans our access to information wasn't nearly what it is now and we were only peripherally aware of the things that were going on in the nuggets and at mcnichols arena as far as the drama other than the obvious stuff with what was happening with Mahmoud. and Mahmoud gets traded to uh sacramento kings for Cerunus marshallonis and uh reggie williams gets traded and brian uh Reggie Williams and uh, Brian Williams, I think, get traded to Indiana for Chuck Person. Uh, the, the the 13th pick, I think, the Nuggets had. No, they, they sent Reggie Williams, Brian Williams, and the 13th pick to... No, no, no. Brian Williams went to the Clippers, I think. Okay, what anyway, Reggie Williams specifically goes to the Pacers, plus the 13th pick, and the Nuggets get back Chuck Chuck Person, no not Chuck Person. They get back Ricky Ricky Pierce. Ricky Pierce and uh Mark Jackson uh and that like the twenty third or twenty-fourth pick. Uh obviously everyone knows how poorly that went. They draft someone who is they never saw the court in the first round for the Nuggets, and uh someone they no one had seen play. And uh it began the the really the steep, 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 steep descent of the Nuggets in the late nineties. I personally as a fan, it took me a long time to forgive DeKobe Mutombo for leaving. Even though the nuggets were thoroughly mediocre, it seemed like there was a um it was a representation of what was going on with the team and it took me a long time to get over it. Even as he was having these good seasons uh with the Atlanta Hawks, I couldn't really appreciate it because he walked away from my team. And it really took me years for uh, me to first of all find out what was going on behind the scenes with the Denver Nuggets and two really begin to forgive to Dikemi Mutombo I don't know if I was typical of uh Nuggets fans in fact I probably wasn't um but that was me personally I was invested in this Nuggets team and you know once you watch that 94 Nuggets team you think the sky's the limit That's really where the entire city of Denver was. And it was reflected in the Nuggets selling out every single home game, which is the first time that had happened since the 70s. And it was the last time it ever happened, by the way. Uh, And that applies to the Nuggets' history since 1995. (laughs) They've never sold out an entire season. And um, they just... I, it was just not something that I, 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 as a fan who was 18, 19 years old at the time, you know, Jalen Rose gets traded. Yeah, Jalen Rose and Reggie Williams. There we go. There we go. People who were screaming at this, uh, at your podcast devices, I got it. Uh, Reggie Williams and Jalen Rose get traded to uh, Indiana. And Jalen Rose is one of my favorite players. The Nuggets just gave up on him. Bernie gave up on him specifically. Um, but these are things we didn't find out until later about what was going on at the time. And it really took me finding out that stuff for me to really begin appreciating, um, the, what um, Dikembe Mutombo himself was going through, you know, Ascent was not a great ownership group. They didn't really ever want to own a basketball team. Um, ComSat as, as I've Detailed in very, very finite detail is that Comsat, the parent corporation, never wanted to own a basketball team. And they were talked into it by David Stern and Robert Wessler. And uh, they ended up in 94 divesting the Nuggets and Avalanche eventually in 95 into a sports um, subsidiary called Ascent. And it then eventually be- split off completely and became its own entity. And uh, Comsat's role, active role, nominal as it was, ended basically in 1995. And the Nugget's own ownership situation throughout the '90s was terrible. It was, it was one of the worst situations in basketball when you're a fan you don't think about this stuff specifically if you're not a an uh, if you're a casual fan who just watches the games you're not obsessing about everything that happens and in nin- in the mid 90s i was a nuggets obsessive but i you, we didn't have that access to in- information that we do now and i didn't take into account all the bullshit that was happening with the denver nuggets and Once I later did, I started feeling a little guilty about my position, about being so resentful about what Dikembe Mutombo was going through as he was trying to, and, you know, he's often said he didn't want to leave Denver. I don't know how much of that is true. Um, I think Dikembe could have been bullshitting a a little bit, but I take him at his word that he would have rather wanted to stay here in Denver. Long story short, I eventually got over it, and it took me probably about five, six years to fully understand what was going on, fully understand the shit show that was the Denver Nuggets and their management slash ownership situation, and my sympathy for Dikembe Mutombo increased, and it doesn't always take that sort of realization. I mean, we not every team has a shitty ownership situation that is easily blamed for something like this i mean you know you had Bur- bernie Biggerstaff, and uh, uh you had uh you know ascent kind of just bungling their way through the mid-90s and destroying really what was an extremely promising team it is what it is but at the time you don't know and i've had to do a lot of i didn't do a lot of searching i mean it's not that important but i had to really th- real realize that i was the person that was uh making myself resentful for this and Um, in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have wasted all those years not appreciating Dikemio Mutombo. I mean, 100%. I look back on that and think it's silly. On the other side of the break, I'm going to talk about how this relates to Carmelo Anthony, uh, the mitigating circumstances. And while you don't have to agree with me, maybe we can begin the healing process with Melo and understand what he did for the Denver Nuggets was a great thing. But first, I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blake & Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coorsfield, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwcolorado.com. Whether you want whites, reds, Colorado wines, Sonoma County wines... They got them all there in the dairy block. Uh, obviously, with the snow that's about to hit us here, no one's going to be going downtown. But when things are clear and and the skies look a little more blue, head on down to the dairy block. Even during the afternoon, it's a great atmosphere. It's a warm, welcoming atmosphere. Uh, one of my places to just sit and relax. Um, I know that sounds a little weird when you're talking about just going to a place that's downtown, you know, centrally located like that, but it really is a very relaxing, very welcoming atmosphere. It's one of my favorite places in Denver. Uh, They got whites, they got reds, they got Rieslings, they got uh, uh, blends, they've got Rosés, they got Colorado wines, they got Sonoma County wines, anything you need in a one-stop shop. Uh, Their Colorado wine selection is pretty, pretty good. Um, and if you want to try try what Colorado has to offer, particularly Rieslings, Riesling, Colorado really s- kind of specializes in, the, in a Riesling, uh, try that out. But if you want to try Blanchard Family Wines, uh, their 2018 Cabernet and the Blake Street blend are both very good. I, I highly suggest trying those out. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazi in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple of blocks away from Coorsfield, right in the middle of the Dairy Block. They are always online at BFW Colorado. Dot .com they're on facebook and instagram under blancher family wines when you go in or you talk to him tell him jeff morton from csg podcast sent you i realized probably la- a couple years ago that we couldn't as a fan base continue our our resentment towards mello in perpetuity uh, mello com- contributed to his own demise and i as as i pointed out before we we I've gone over this painstakingly. Um, Mello's lack of contrition about the scenario, uh, lack of uh, ability to see how he contributed to it, has made embracing him, re-embracing him with this thing, a lot all that much more difficult. Um, Carmelo didn't hasn't needed to behave the way he has in regards to kind of dismissing his his time which is by far the most success he's ever had in the nba uh his time in denver um and you you get to a point where you're like it's just you you start getting resentful at him not understanding why you would be upset right it's a psychological thing why why aren't why don't you understand this carmelo and carmelo's i think by and large never really fully absorbed why the city of denver and and certain factions within it uh would be so resentful of why and how he left denver um, i'm going to flip side this i don't i'm not saying this as something that everyone must do but i think this is just a pathway and this is what i have done to kind of rejigger my thoughts on what happened with Mello and how there is a pathway to forgiveness. Um, let me start off by saying the leaked and stories about Carmelo and his then girlfriend and soon to be wife uh, were not fair to his girlfriend. Um, her her thoughts about the city of Denver bear no bear nothing, and should not bear nothing on the way we view Carmelo Anthony. And uh, I was guilty of allowing that to color my thoughts. Um, and I'm going to leave it at that. That's, it doesn't need to it means that's very simple. Um, the Nuggets should have done a better job of making things smoother. Um, be it through George Carl, who was still coach of the Never Nuggets for two and a half years after Carmelo left. Um... Be it Josh Kroenke, who was around when the Nuggets were traded, him be it Masai Ujiri, um, could have smoothed things out and made the road less bumpy. I think, and the where I've come to on this is the Nuggets have been, haven't really, uh, until recently, until very recently, haven't done much to allay the resentment that fans have had towards Carmelo Anthony. Um, You'll never forget um, when uh, uh, George Carl came in with the San Antonio, excuse me, San Antonio, with the Sacramento Kings in 2015, um, late 2015. And it was, or was it 2014. No, it was 15. Uh, it was, it was after Malone was here and they introduced George and there was no allowance for applause. They went right into, it was head coach of the head coach of the Sacramento Kings, George Carl. And then they went right into nuggets introductions. Um, that was petty. That was small. That should not have been done. Um, the Nuggets should have allowed, like they have done for others, Nuggets fans to celebrate Carmelo Anthony. There is still a significant fashion of Nuggets fans who love him and think that of, highly of him. Let's face it, folks, um, you've just heard me describe the, 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 the Nuggets' descent in the mid-90s into complete irrelevancy and putrid, putrid play. Um... The Nuggets drafting Carmelo in two thousand three was fundamentally franchise changing. That's, we can't, we can't deny it, folks. We just can't. It really set them on a different path. It wasn't the ownership of Stan Kroenke. It wasn't all the stuff that happened in there. Really, truly, the Nuggets drafting someone who was acknowledged as a star coming out of college. Fundamentally changed the course of the Nuggets franchise, whether he had help or not do, is beside the point. All right, the Nuggets' perception, the Nuggets' everything about this team changed with Carmelo coming in, and we don't look at it that way because we're in it. In, we're in it at the moment, right? Um, Mellow had a ton of flaws. He was not perfect. And in fact, I would never call him Carmelo Anthony a superstar, um, but he was fundamentally franchise changing and the last and most difficult part of this is the Nuggets did not need to give Nikola Jokic the number that Carmelo wore that was and I think what that has done you know it's oh it by the way the water's under the bridge now I mean it's it's the Nuggets the Nuggets doing that has fundamentally altered uh, a lot of different things now I don't blame Jokic for this. Uh, I do think that there are people in the Nuggets organization who are very aware of the status of that number and they gave it to him anyway. And I think that was a mistake. And it should not have been done that way. Carmelo deserves praise. Regardless of the way you think he lived, he deserves praise. And I think Giving Nikola Jokic that number from Carmelo's uh, perspective was highly disrespectful. Whether we are still resentful of the way he left or not, we got to admit that that was disrespectful. (laughs) It was. And I think that has probably been the coup de grace with the Nuggets relationship with Carmelo Anthony. Um, and it doesn't it in it in with hindsight, because it's been 12, almost 12 years, folks, it doesn't need to be and did not need to be like this. The Denver Nuggets did not need to have a fracturous relationship with someone who gave them such success for seven and a half years. And I think that this is something that we're all going to have to collectively deal with. As we progress through our fandoms, um, and looking at Carmelo Anthony objectively and saying, start to maybe brush away all the bad and embrace the good, in we don't we don't do that, and and it's frustrating because for all the issues that happened, and I have gone over in rich detail all of the problems and things that were leading up in the last about year and a half of Carmelo's tenure with the Denver Nuggets. Um, some on Melo, some on the Denver Nuggets. This was a two-way street, folks. All this stuff that was swirling around created this stew where fans were left with no obli- no other option than to just resent the player. That is okay for a while, but it's been 12 years. And 12 years later, we can, can't hold on to this. Carmelo needs to be properly honored as a franchise changing player. And that's going to start with fans kind of letting go of this long held, at this point, resentment at Carmelo Anthony. Um, he was a good player for this team. And his star changed the way people looked at the Denver Nuggets. And I'll be honest with you, um, without Carmelo Anthony, the franchise isn't where it is right now. One hundred percent. There's many things that I think we need to kind of come to terms with. It's been a long, long time, and maybe we need to begin. I'm saying like both Nuggets fans and the Denver Nuggets need to begin the process of healing that wound because it is it is not fair to Denver Nuggets fans it's not fair to Carmelo and it's not fair to the to Nuggets themselves to have this state of arrested resentment it just doesn't need to be this way the sooner we get over this the sooner we can begin to heal all right thank you all for joining me on the latest mordcast i'll be back soon with another episode Goodbye.